Hi, welcome to What's On Our Minds. My name is Peter Snowarts and today, Terry McDougall. So what can we learn from Terry McDougall? She has worked for more than 30 years in a corporate environment in several marketing positions. And in 2017, she transformed to coach as she felt that she was no longer being happy in her job and she turned into a coach. It's one hour of golden nuggets for everybody who is looking to maybe change their life or even change their job or become an entrepreneur. Enjoy, Terry. Bye-bye. Welcome to What's On Your Mind with Peter Snowart. Every week, a guest talks about his or her story, and that story can inspire you to change your own. Here's Peter. Good afternoon, Terry. <laughs> Hi, Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. For you, it's afternoon. For me, it's evening. That's the way it works. So you are based in Chicago. Yep, that's right. Okay. Now, um, I've noticed that if I'm correct, Terry, that you, uh, I'm, I'm going to start with the, the most basic question of all. What's on your mind at this moment? Oh my gosh. What's on my mind at this moment? Yep. You know, I, I actually just got off a coaching call and, uh, with, with one of my clients and, mm -hmm. you know, I was very focused on understanding his situation and helping him, um, you know, envision what that, path forward would be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as a coach, I encourage and brainstorm and cheerlead and, you know, try to hold people accountable for taking action. And I'm always hopeful that they're going to do it because yeah. they tend to have a lot of success when they do. Um, but I'm still sort of like in that mindset coming off of that call. Okay. So now you're going to try to coach me. You think I'm one of your coaches. <laughs> Now, I try, I try not to do that unless people want me to. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you, you didn't, uh, you were not a coach your whole life. Eh? I mean, you worked mm -hmm. in, a, in, in a marketing mm -hmm. job in, in a corporate environment, if I'm correct. Eh? That's right. Yeah, I, I was in corporate marketing for 30 years. And for 21 of those years, I worked for two large, actually, international banks. Um, mm -hmm. They're two of the largest banks here in America um, in marketing. And I probably had about eight different jobs over the course of the, those 21 mm -hmm. years. And then I made a transition in 2017 to become an executive and career coach. So yeah. I still I get to yeah. leverage a lot of that experience that I had in the corporate world. But I get to also serve people in a way that I'm very passionate about, which is helping them have more professional success with hopefully less stress, you know, and okay. be able to get in the flow more and be happier and not feel stuck or burnout, um, which, you know, at times I felt that way. It is. I mean, 30 years in a, in a, in a corporate job and marketing, I mean. Yeah, you get a fancy fancy title, you get uh, good wages. Um, and mm -hmm. in, in Dutch, they call that a golden cage. It's like a safety net, yes. it's which is like uh, something uh, around your neck. Mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's it gives you also kind of an identity because you have yes, the title, you have the security, and uh, and then the money and the title and um, and some kind of prestige. Yeah, so people working for you. Why in the hell did you leave that <laughs> corporate world to become uh, a coach? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you know, you were describing so much. You, you definitely understand where I was coming from. Um, I liked that. You know, I, I went back to school and I got an MBA because that mm -hmm. was it was my goal to be successful professionally. And, you know, my earlier in my career, my goal was to become a chief marketing officer. I never became the chief marketing officer for like the whole company, but I did lead mm -hmm. marketing for several businesses. And I suppose as I mm -hmm. got closer to what I thought my goal was, I realized that it didn't hold as much attraction for me. Um, and I also think that there's, I, I'm very interested in learning mm -hmm. and I, the last job that I had in corporate was not one that I wanted. <laughs> I didn't okay. apply for it. My boss came and said, I want you in this job. I tried to say no, I wasn't able to do that. So I spent a couple years doing something that wasn't a great fit for me. And mm -hmm. I think that that really made me take a step back and think about where do I get my satisfaction from in, mm -hmm. in the corporate world and, uh, or not in the corporate world, but in my career and in my life. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that I always really enjoyed helping solve problems for other people. I mm -hmm. really liked the coaching and mentoring as a leader. I spent a lot of time coaching and mentoring, mentoring people on my staff and even people that weren't on my staff would come and ask mm -hmm. me to mentor them. I loved it. It was, it was fun. And even in marketing, um, consulting with a lot of the stakeholders and understanding their problems and helping them come up with solutions was where my passion was. And okay. so I ended up leaving my job because I, I didn't like it. <laughs> And it was something I was thinking about for a long time. And I ended up leaving without another job. And I spent some time just trying to figure out what is it that I want to do next and where, you know, what do I think I'm good at and what do I like to do? And I had hired coaches a couple times in my career mm -hmm. and it had been very, very helpful to me. And it was something I always felt drawn to. So I decided mm -hmm. to get a certification in coaching. And mm -hmm. honestly, initially, not with the intention of doing it full time. I just thought, okay. like, I've got the time and the space to, to study this. And I initially thought that I'd get another job and I would have better coaching skills. Maybe I'd have a couple private clients on the side. And maybe when I got closer to retirement, I would, you know, this would be my off, off ramp to do something entrepreneurial. But as I was going through the coach training, there were a lot of people that were starting their own businesses. And, you know, I just like to say, I think that entrepreneurial spirit became contagious. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I saw a lot of other people with the intention of starting their own businesses, I thought, why not? I, I think I like a challenge and I and I'm a marketer. So I, I knew a lot of things that I would need to do to um, to build the business. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was sort of gradual, to tell you the truth. And. I will tell you also that sometimes people will say, what do you wish that you knew at the beginning? You know, what do you wish that somebody mm -hmm. had told you? And I mm -hmm. actually say, I am glad that I didn't know all the things that I was going to have to do because I'm glad to be where I am. But it's okay. been a journey. And there were times I think that if I knew everything that I was going to have to learn and all of the ways I was going to have to stretch and challenge myself, that I probably would have been too intimidated or scared to start the journey. But isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't, that, is that, isn't that the same with having a baby? You have children. Eh? Yes. I mean, uh, yeah. my, 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 my almost four year uh, son is sleeping in the room uh, next to us. Yeah. And um, if you would 
logically, rationally seen, know everything what the deal is about, about babies and children. I don't know. Yeah. But if you right. see them and they smile and they put your heart on fire, I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. I have three kids. So believe me, I, I do know. And it's one of those things where, you know, people will say things like there's never a good time to become a parent. Right. If you wait for everything to be perfect, mm -hmm. you, you know, you'll never do it. And at some point you just have to jump in the deep end and believe that you'll learn how to swim. And I think that's the same way that it has been with um, entrepreneurialism and being a coach. And I have absolutely loved being forced to stretch and and face my fears and and also I've been very honored to be able or you know to be trusted by many people to for them to share you know mm -hmm. things that are going on with them and for me to be able to to help them get over obstacles and get onto you know a smoother path for them in their careers that's that's really really fulfilling for me and you know I it's nice to have more of a purpose, you know, that's very human centered. Yep. Um, yep. And a lot of times, and it's, it's not that, you know, the companies that I worked for were good and they, they serve, they served mm -hmm. lots of customers and all of that, but it's, you know, somewhat removed, mm -hmm. you know, when you're, yep. um, and especially I was working in B2B marketing. So it's like even mm -hmm. more removed from like impacting humans, mm -hmm. you know, directly. Yep. But isn't it, uh, isn't it also that, um, as you are as we were very young then you 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 graduate you have your mba and then you get a, a job offer you start a job and then you become unconscious you you people ask you to to for that job and and you just think oh that's great and you you your ego is happy because uh mm -hmm. yeah you get a bigger title and they sometimes they add senior or vp or whatever <laughs> or whatever it is yeah, but you, you don't you don't yeah. you don't think you, you really don't think about is this really my thing no no you just yeah. follow it and yeah. then suddenly you wake it's not suddenly like hey wait a minute um Everything professionally, I mean, people were asking me because they thought that I was good at doing that thing. But actually, they were, I wouldn't say using, but using you to get to uh, achieving their objectives mm -hmm. and putting your, your, you, you at that right place would help them achieving their objectives. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I've, whereas uh, you have been through some kind of uh, thinking or feeling process um, because you were mentioning satisfaction and purpose. Mm -hmm. That's who am I and what is giving me energy and is this yeah. really feeding my satisfaction or is, uh, and, and am I now because I'm now can make my own choices and really make decisions. Okay. This is my life and I'm living my yes. life and professional <laughs> life. And just instead of being um, led by others, at least that's the feeling that I have. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things when I was writing my book, winning the game of work, I was doing some secondary research and one of the um, bits of research that I, I came or I actually came across a book, um, by this guy named Tom DeLong, who is a professor at Harvard Business School. And mm -hmm. he he states that he believes that many high achievers are um, addicted to external validation. Yes. And when I when I read that, like a light bulb went off because I think on mm -hmm. a certain level, I knew that intuitively. 
Um, and yep. that's actually one of the things that makes high achievers very successful is that they're always mm-hmm. looking for what's that next goal and, yep. you know, getting that dopamine hit when they reach the yep. goal and they get yep. the attaboy or girl mm-hmm. um, or they get promoted or, or whatever. Um, but they keep looking for those challenges. And a lot of mm-hmm. times what happens is that they lose touch with their own natural motivations, mm-hmm. right, that they're. They're addicted to those rewards that they get from achievement, and they don't stop and like just quietly say, "Am I enjoying this? Do I like yeah, this?" And, and I think it even goes further because uh, I've went, I've uh, worked, and I still do. By the way, um, now you have marketing, and then you have that other thing, sales. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and and I have to admit, for years I always thought that that carrot which was hanging hanging in front of me getting that target that objective which is if i if 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 i was going to make it and so uh, achieving that target it's going i was going to be happy okay yeah Um, and indeed i was always striving for that external validation so that target that external validation was becoming my my identity so this means Mm -hmm. that if i achieved it or even overachieved it then i was like i'm the guy but then there comes a point that i mean if you realize that if you're always going to put your power outside of you to make you happy to feel you fulfilled then it's like a hole which you cannot fill because it's 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 uh yeah you you have to keep on filling that and Mm -hmm. it's also um how do you say that it's uh, taking lots of energy um because but yeah and you come also to a point that you are quite far away from who you really are and it's it's not something which happens in, in days. It's it's a process of months, years, lots of years. And um, once you realize that you you are who you are and you are enough, and you don't need mm-hmm. that external validation right. anymore, but you enjoy that more journey-like mission purpose thing mm-hmm. by indeed serving other people instead of serving that external validation. I mean there is the real energy and there is the real passion and then it it feels like of course you have to listen to your body that you can drive on some kind of unlimited fire burning inside of you yes you know it's um there's so much of what you just said that has got me thinking about so many different things but you know one of them is that when we strive for that external validation that it puts us in a position of potentially being manipulated Right. Because the the boss can or others can keep moving the goalposts. Right. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, you you keep moving and saying, okay, well, there's the finish line or there's the goal line. And then they can say, oh, well, that's not quite good enough. Right. And that I've seen it often and I experienced it myself that it can really cause, um, you know, people to have a crisis of confidence. Right. Like. And feel like, um, am I not good enough? I mean, it's funny because I was just talking with a a client earlier and he was talking to me about some interactions with his boss and his boss not delegating to him. And he was like, does he not think I'm smart enough? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I said, I don't think it's about you. (laughs) I think it's about him, you know, but if if my client is going to put, you know, his the way that he sees himself in the hands of his boss Mm -hmm. and and attribute his boss's inability to delegate to him because, oh, he doesn't think I'm good enough, 
that cause that can cause a lot of problems, right? Um, instead of saying, no, I know I'm good enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I believe that the issue really is with him, what do I need to do to, you know, get him to change his behavior so that I get what I want out of the situation. And it's amazing when we can stand with ourselves and we can assure ourselves that we're, like you said, good enough as we are. And, you know, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, if you're working for a business that Mm -hmm. everything's like always, you know, peachy, peaches and cream, Mm -hmm. right? That um, you you do have to pay attention to what's expected of you and you need to take that into consideration, but you also have to look at it in the larger context and understand, you know, is what I'm being asked to do reasonable? Is it possible? I mean, I've seen situations, I mean, I've had situations where, you know, earlier in my career when I was a, a print production manager that often I would not get the artwork to send to the printer until mm-hmm. after the deadline and yep. my boss would yell at me. <laughs> I was like, nah. you know what? I'm pretty good at working miracles. I haven't figured out how to turn back time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I did not take offense at that. I just, I, cause I saw the, you know, I understood it wasn't my issue. It was really my boss's issue. Like she wasn't, nope. she wasn't managing things within the department where she needed to manage them. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it can be very easy for people to start like doubting themselves if they yep. if they put that power in the hands of others who aren't, yep. th- you know, who don't have integrity. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's why I think we um, and it's changing already eh? is, is that we need some kind of new leadership instead of uh, managing people as resources and assets mm-hmm. that that um, for me, our team. It's not about me. I even threw, threw away my, my title. Of course, I still have it and uh, I will use it if necessary within customers, but internally not. And my personal goal is to, to use personal growth uh, principles and to make the best version of, mm-hmm. of themselves. So working on, a, uh, on external validation, which is a hot topic, mm-hmm. um, uh, people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learn to say no, boundaries, setting boundaries, boundaries limiting yes. beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing is, by doing that, instead of just pushing them, I mean, these people become some kind of entrepreneurs within your organization. Yes. And I don't have to manage anything. They, 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 they will come to me whenever they need me. And mm-hmm. that's, I just flipped the, the whole organizations on its head. And these people, they overachieve all the time and of they're course. very happy. Because they yes. they feel grown and to personally for me, I mean it's great to have uh, achieving targets. But the real power is that I I don't care so much. I because when I see these people grow because they're young people eh, in their twenties, then I know at least that they don't have to grow to all these mistakes and failures I had or insights mm-hmm. when I was like thirty eight or forty or something. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that. Um, this top-down uh, culture and always that grow-for-growth culture, um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really a kind of a pushy culture and it works, but it's not running a marathon because you need your, your team to run a marathon. And if you're always let them feel that they are not good enough, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to sleep at night thinking that I want to go to sleep and thinking I touch somebody's heart and, and at least uh, he or she has grown as a human being. Yeah. I mean that, I think that what you were 
talking to, talking about there with, you know, many organizations, they have sort of a coercive style of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even want to call it leadership, right? It's not really leadership whenever you're coercing, mm-hmm. when you're putting a lot of pressure on people and maybe managing through fear um, or judgment, criticism, that kind of thing, that that's, that's not sustainable long term because people are not going to bring their best because they're putting, you know, you've talked a lot about energy and um, I, I really think a lot about energy. And when people are using their energy to protect themselves, to mm-hmm. when, when they're feeling fearful, when they feel like they have to be hypervigilant to make sure that they're not going to be criticized or, you know, they're fearful of something, that that's energy that is diverted away from focusing on the goal. And mm-hmm. I think that the best leaders, um, first of all, demonstrate belief in the people that they have working yep. with them. They paint a very clear picture of what the goal is. They provide context for the individual so that they understand what their part is in achieving their goal. And they focus on empowering and training and delegating people so that mm-hmm. that they feel a sense of ownership yep. to reach that goal. And then you step back and you let them go. And yep. and the reality is um you know that you're going to get a lot more out of people if they feel free to do it the way that makes sense to them, right? And yep. um you know, if you've been very clear with the expectations and then you give them room to make those decisions and judgments within the guardrails that you've set so mm-hmm. that they know they know the territory that they own and they can just, mm-hmm. you know, they can do what they need to do within that territory. Um, you know, a lot of times I see that, you know, I, th- I think that some leaders have a hard time letting go. And, you know, maybe there's a real attachment to the doing part of their job and they feel like, well, if I'm not doing and then what am I? Right. Because leading, if you do leading well, it looks really easy, but it's not easy. Right. But, you know, and I certainly had that, you know, fear sometimes where I was like, okay, I've developed these really great people and they're doing great work. And what am I doing? (laughs) Right. But I'm watching and I'm shepherding and I'm empowering, right? But that's, those are, um, you know, those are soft skills, right? And sometimes you don't really have a lot to prove personally to say like, mm-hmm. oh, look what I did. It's it's more of a team thing. Like, oh, my team did this. And um, so. And I mean, you, you, you uh, studied, uh, you, you, you have an MBA, but I mean, I have a master in economics, but the thing is that uh, soft skills, that wasn't something that I learned in school, especially not these insights, because, mm-hmm. I mean, getting those objectives, you, you need a lot of hard skills. Mm-hmm. But when I discovered that soft skills are like water, which can break the rock, which are the hard skills, and mm-hmm. you need both of them, eh? I, I mean, you yes, need both absolutely. of them, and they need to be balanced. Eh? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, did you learn about soft skills in your MBA? There. There's probably one class that I remember, mm-hmm. and it's a it was relatively a soft skills class. It was organizational behavior, and the one thing that I remember that I continue to talk to people about, even like I talked to somebody about this yesterday, that um, about 
using, and I know you were saying like, okay, people resources, but I, I still, you know, people are resources within a business and they're human, but you know, businesses invest in them and they need them to deliver. And I, I say to, especially to leaders, they have to do their highest value work. Right. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, people, when they rise within organizations that they hold on to, they try to do their old job, even if they've gotten a, a, um, they've been promoted to another level. And it's really important to always be focused on what's your highest value work. And the example that this professor gave that I has stuck with me all these years mm-hmm. is he said, you know, you could have a company where the fastest typist in the company is the CEO. But that does not mean that you're going to have the CEO do all the typing, right? It's about saying, okay, well, you know, who's the person that can type at a reasonable speed who can't do more high value work, right? And often, you know, you see with high achieving, smart, capable people that they're multi-talented and they can Mm -hmm. do a lot of different things. And sometimes they try to do all of them Mm -hmm. and actually don't make as much of an impact as they could if they stepped back and said, you know, I need to prioritize, right? If this is, if this is our goal, what's the part of this that only I can do? Okay. And then what do I need to get off my plate? What do I need to delegate um, in order for me to focus on this highest value work? And I see it very often that people, you know, leaders will say, well, it's just faster for me to do it. So I just do it. Right. Because it's hard. And I I say to them, well, look, we're we're focusing on a development opportunity for you. Like, it's understandable that, you know, maybe if you've done this for a long time or it's just come naturally to you, that it's hard Mm -hmm. for you to step back and figure out how to teach it to someone else. But this is what you need to do as a leader if you want to keep moving up, because Mm -hmm. if you're going to be weighed down by responsibilities that were yours, you know, one or two jobs ago, you're not going to free yourself to do the higher level work, to be more innovative, to look for opportunities, to negotiate, to, you know, re-engineer process, whatever, you know, the things that people that have that higher level view of the business um, can do and have the ability to do. No. Now, um, you've been working for 30 years in, um, in corporate environments. I mean, yeah. do you wish that you would maybe after 10 years started your own business? Um, no, I don't think so. Because I, I, I liked what I was doing and I was learning all the way, all, all along. And the last job that I had, I was there for 12 years, and the first the first job that I had was leading marketing for the investment bank at this bank, mm-hmm. and that was like a PhD in learning how to influence because, you know, being in marketing and having to interact with all of these very smart, hard-charging, pull-no-punches investment bankers, I had to get really nimble and smart about how do I influence these people that have more power in the organization than I do. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if I wasn't nimble, I would have gotten knocked out, (laughs) you know, because these these guys and it's it mostly was men in 
the investment banking roles, and it was mostly women in the marketing department that I led. Mm-hmm. And so there was an interesting dynamic there in terms of like communication styles and that kind of thing, but also power within the organization. You know, people that are bringing in millions of dollars of revenue have more power than people that are mm-hmm. developing the advertising campaigns and spending money. Um, yeah, but I was yeah, say I that. had to really you know be effective from a marketing standpoint, but I also had to be very. Um, thoughtful and observant of how me and my team were being perceived within the organization. Because sometimes Mm. there are misperceptions that can cause a lot of headaches, right? That somebody's complaining because they don't understand something or because they feel like they're not being listened to or engaged with. And it can really cause, you know, like they go to your boss and then that goes to your boss's boss. And the next thing you know, you're having to like quell this drama um, so, you know, I just kind of learned to step back, see the whole playing field. I said to, I would say to my team, like, play a good game of offense, I mean, do your job, but play a good game of defense too. like, look around you and understand the situation that you're in and look for those potential risks or issues and deal with them early, right? If somebody's complaining, you may want to avoid them, but don't do it. Right. Because those are the situations, you know, you need to step in and engage and understand um, and build those relationships and not, you know, it can it can be very um, tempting to avoid people that are complaining, you know, but but it will come back to you in your face. It it really will. And I, you know, and I actually found that um, a lot of times it wasn't comfortable maybe to be engaging with somebody that was saying, oh, marketing stinks, you guys aren't doing a good job. But I would engage with them and say, like, I want to understand more about why mm. you perceive it this way. And a lot of times it uncovered situations that I could fix and that actually led me down a path to an innovation that I could sell throughout the whole organization. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes those squeaky wheels they are shining a light on an opportunity for improvement. And if you engage mm. with them, you know, you can look really smart because you can step up and be like, look, I fixed this. <laughs> I didn't even know it was broken. But um, once I discovered it and I fixed it and then I, you know, I looked brilliant. <laughs> now, um, you have um, written a book called Winning the Game of Work. Um, yeah. When, when was that? Was that when you started your coaching business or was it during or already when you were still working in corporates? No, I, I wrote, it came out a year ago. Um, okay. So the story of the book is that when I first left my job, I, you know, I mentioned I hadn't been happy for a while. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was, I was really thinking back over just the dynamics and a lot of lessons that I learned. And I started blogging and I blogged for a couple of years, like every other week I came out with a new mm-hmm. blog. And somewhere along the line, somebody pointed out that I probably had enough words in my blog for a book. And mm-hmm. so that was really what planted the seed of like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I could write a book. And then around the same time, a friend of mine was going through a book writing program that was... Um, started by a professor at Georgetown University. And so I decided to join up with that book writing program. And I brought my blogs in as sort of like just the the seeds of the book. And then I ended up writing a lot more. But, um, you know, it was all about lessons that I learned. And part of the reason why I called the book um, Winning the Game of Work is because I think a lot of people 
you know, walk into the corporate environment thinking that, well, I'll just operate at work the same way that I did in school. And if I was successful at school, I just did the same thing (laughs) at work and I'll be successful. And, Mm. you know, there's a lot of people that are very disappointed (laughs) and don't, you know, actually don't move up, um, you know, I guess in accordance with their talents and their intelligence, right? Because literally they're playing a game and they don't realize it or they're playing that game by the wrong rules. And, you know, I've seen it a lot that for high achievers, their first instinct, if they're not, if they hit a wall, is to try to go faster, do more, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just go with more force. And what I think works a lot better is to step back and look at the bigger picture, you know, see the whole game board or playing field and understand like where you are within it. And what the other players are like, you know, because if you understand what the other players are like and then you're going to be able to influence them more effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, a lot of people just don't do that. They'll uh, I mean, I have a client that I'm working with right now. And, you know, when she would talk to she was very, very, very earnest, very smart, very well educated. But the way that she was playing the game of work was I I uh, compared it to her playing American football without any pads. You know, that she would just run out onto the field and run in front of like a 300 pound linebacker and get smashed to the ground. She wasn't playing a good game of defense. Like when I was saying earlier, you know, she was just like, hey, I'm going to do I'm going to do my best and everybody's going to appreciate it. And, you know, she wasn't understanding this, the environment in which she was operating and she was wasting a lot of her energy on things that weren't appreciated. And it was actually hurting her reputation within the organization as well it wasn't about her not being smart enough it was about her not understanding the game that she was playing yeah and especially also that um, people sometimes and like you say i'm doing my best and i hope that people will see or recognize that Mm -hmm. Um, but also the fact that sometimes in certain situations you can go outside of your job role and um, with good intentions and uh, initiatives but if you don't do that the right way i mean it's going to fire back mm-hmm. in a very bad way and uh and, and and there you are then with your good intentions lots of good energy mm-hmm. uh doing your best and then uh your shot really cold um are there are there a lot of your coaches which are working right now in corporates is that your target group as as uh, as coach yeah that's the majority of people that i'm working with they're in a, a corporate role and they want to be more effective in the role um sometimes their company may sponsor them to to get uh coaching and it might and it's usually because they're already what you know a high potential mm-hmm. And the company mm-hmm. wants to develop them. But I also have people that will hire me themselves. And a lot of times it's like they feel stuck that maybe mm-hmm. they want to move up. Could be that they're having some specific issues, like maybe they're they're not, you know, their boss has expectations for them and they're having a hard time understanding them and fulfilling. Um, so, you know, is it... And- do, do you see do you see um, in terms of age I mean are there also quite young people there starting their careers um, part of your um, customers I, I tip I, 
I have a client right now that's 28, but I typically mm-hmm. uh, work with people that are, you know, at least 10 or 15 years into their mm-hmm. career and then up into, you know, so probably 30s, 40s, 50s um, mm-hmm. is typically the, the sweet spot for me. I have worked with some younger people, but, you know, I... I you know, having worked in the corporate world for 30 years, mm-hmm. I'm usually working with them on more, you know, complex situations, like mm-hmm. the learning how to influence within organizations, influence without authority, mm-hmm. um, you know, more meaty things rather than just sort of the basics of, mm-hmm. you know, how you advance early in your career. Because a lot of times early in your career, it's good enough to, to show up and do a good job, you know, because the the roles are usually like pretty straightforward mm-hmm. and no. you know maybe you're going to stay in that role for a couple of years and there is a, a logical next step to move from you know coordinator to manager or you know coordinator mm-hmm. to senior coordinator or whatever no. um but it's it's when you get up a little you know into um a management role or a more highly skilled uh individual contributor where you know, maybe the dynamics within the organization are not easy to read. And it's important for you to understand that in order to be perceived positively and to be able to do your job. Um, that's, that's what and I'd like you, to do. And that's where I think that I add the most value for people. Great. Do you, do you see a difference and um, the challenges that maybe people from 50 plus compared to people who are working corporates 30 plus? Is there a difference in, the, in their challenges that they have that they come to you? Well, a lot of times with, you know, I, I didn't mention this, but I also work with, you know, I work with people in, who are in role and want to be more effective. I also work with people that are in job search or who are sort of at a crossroads in their career where maybe they've kind of gotten to a point and they're like, I don't know if I want to keep doing what I've been doing. Like maybe mm-hmm. I've um, outgrown my role or something like that. One of the things that I see with people that are, you know, maybe mid 40s and up is mm-hmm. that... Uh, you know, a lot of companies start to lay off older people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be really hard. It can be obviously Mm -hmm. really hard. And I, I think from a business standpoint, the reason why companies do that is that they are, they're not making a huge distinction between, you know, okay, I'm paying this 50 year old a premium and yeah, they have more experience, but you know, I can pay a 35 year old less And the differential between, you know, the value that's brought is, I mean, it could be a lot, but a lot of companies are like, I've got a body in that seat and I can pay them, you know, mm-hmm. a third less <laughs> or half as much as what I was paying that more experienced person. Um, and that can be very difficult for, you know, older employees, right? Because they, a lot of times people do you know, their identity is defined by what they do for a living. And it's yep. really, really difficult yep. when all of a sudden they feel like they're not wanted or needed anymore. Yep. And that's, um, you know, that, that is, that can be really hard. It can be really hard. I, I'm myself 46 since a week. And um, what I notice is that a lot of people that I meet, And the end of 30s, beginning of 40s, I wouldn't say they are stuck in a rut, but I feel that they gave up learning, that they are growing, that they think, mm-hmm. 
when I went to school uh, and do my job, I'm good at it or great at it. And I'm mm -hmm. doing the same circus trick over yeah. and over yeah. and over and over again. But the world is changing at a pace mm -hmm. which is yeah exponentially or yes. dramatically. And then suddenly, who moved my cheese? And, yes. um, <laughs> yeah? and, and, and the thing is that I, for me, I like to change uh, challenges, jobs, whatever. Yeah, um, five to six years, something like that, to in order to keep reinventing myself, um, because I think that's the only way to always look with a kind of beginner's eyes to the situation, mm -hmm. and then the age doesn't matter anymore because they feel that you are you're not stuck in a rut and you're not you you, you are flexible. Right? So you you are more you are flexible or in a more flowy like like um, like water instead yes. of just being really fixed Rigid. fixed mindset. Yeah, yeah but we yes. always we have always done it that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's it's not maybe that's not the most effective way anymore. The world is changing very very rapidly around us, and you know people who have the growth mindset can adapt a lot more easily. Um, you know, I, I can tell you working in financial services for 21 years, there, there, I think were a lot of people, I think it's changing now, but there were a lot of people that thought, oh, if I get a job at a big bank, that mm -hmm. I can stay there till I retire. And, you know, there were people that, I, I don't know if you guys have heard this, um, this phrase, but like retired in place, <laughs> like where people would get a job and they just sort of like come in, collect their paycheck. They don't really do a, a whole lot, right? Like they're not really concerned with adding value. They're just like, hey, I'm here, you know, and I'm if I'm here from Monday through Friday, I'm going to get my paycheck instead of thinking about like, how can I add value? Mm -hmm. And I, I tell people all the time that You know, you need to step back and realize that there's only three ways to add value for an organization. You're going to help them make money, save money, or reduce risk. Yeah. If you're working for a business, those are the, the three ways to yeah. add value. Indeed. And obviously, not everybody is in compliance or in sales. But if you can think mm -hmm. more broadly about what you do for a living, and you can start to like tie it back to, okay, well, I'm part of the process that mm -hmm. helps make money, or I'm part of the process that helps save money, that can open up your mind to think about how can I add more value? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe we can redesign a process so that, you know, we cut out some time or materials or something like that and save money. Maybe if we see that there's there's an issue where, you know, we might get sued, like that we can bring yep. that up so that we can reduce the risk. We can put something in place to make sure that, you know, uh, we don't we don't have that you know, bad thing happen that's going to cost the company money or is going to cause somebody to be injured or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, yeah, you, you come from a marketing background. I don't have to explain, but uh, I work for a marketing technology company and I, I can assure you that, uh, I mean, the way they did marketing 10 years ago and they do it right now with artificial intelligence, it's yes. unbelievably how you can how they call that the customer journey, how you can, can steer mm -hmm. that uh, behavior of a customer B2B, B2C, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if you don't think uh, in terms of marketing, how can I 
help then investment banking or bankers getting yes. business or leads in um, mm -hmm. or business in or at least at least potential customers in I mean th that is going to now something completely different Terry can, can I ask how young you are how young I am <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm in my late 50s, um, right. which is hard for me to believe. Honestly, I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> um, okay. But maybe I like to learn. And so I think that does keep me young. <laughs> but that was the thing. Are you afraid to go to that LA, six to that big six, small six? Well, you know, I would say that at the milestone birthdays, um, I mean, even going back to my, my 30s, I, I actually got engaged on my 30th birthday. And so that was a distraction from, you know, like freaking out about that. And then I actually had mm -hmm. a baby a few months before my 40th birthday. And so obviously mm -hmm. I was distracted <laughs> with the baby. Um, and then, um, I don't know, 50, I was surprised. I was like, man, how did I get here? But mm -hmm. I think as long as you keep living your life, that mm -hmm. it's actually... I mean, what can you do? You can't turn back the clock. And I actually like my life better now mm -hmm. than I did 10 years ago. Are you, you happier know? now? What's up? Are you happier now than yeah, 10 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happier now than I was 10 years ago. And um, because I feel It's like I've stepped more into my who I really am. And yeah. I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. And isn't it also because... You don't give an F because what people, other people think? Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, when I talk about that being addicted to external validation, I'm not talking about that in a, you know, theoretical way. Like, mm -hmm. I understand that because I was like that, you know, and I really did worry, you know, not worry, but I was thinking about like, well, how, how should I dress? How should I show up? How do I need to yeah. be in this situation? Yeah, I need to yeah. impress the head of the investment mm -hmm. bank. I need to show them I'm, you know, I'm on the ball, all of that. And that's a lot, that's a lot of energy that goes mm -hmm. into that. Um, and You know, I think you do have to take into consideration, like, what do the stakeholders want mm, and yeah, care yeah, of about? Course, course, But, course, you know, course. I was putting way too much energy into mm. that, and it made me sometimes feel tired. It made me feel mm. insecure. You know, it made me no. doubt, like, am I good no. enough? And once I realized, like, you're good enough, <laughs> yeah. you know, just show up. And let your energy flow towards solutions rather than worrying about what other people think. Um, mm. It's very freeing. It's very freeing. And you if, know, if, if you look, if you look, if you look back on that, because I did it myself also. Eh? Mm -hmm. All the things you just mentioned um, is that if I look back right now, when I was 30 or something working for IBM, is that mm -hmm. um, <laughs> if I look back to the thoughts that I had then, I was like. What the hell were you doing in that uh, Muppet show? I mean, all these, the, the, these, these things about your your behavior and your clothing and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I mean, right now it doesn't matter anymore. I didn't say, don't show up respectfully when you're meeting a customer or whatever. I mean, of your clients. I mean, of course, but it really doesn't matter that much. I mean, it really matters that you are you if you mm -hmm. want to connect with other people. And yeah. I think that's the biggest difference, at least for me, is that now I live more from my heart and my guts mm -hmm. and it's connected yeah. with my, my, yes. my mind, my head, instead of just living all 100% from this. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I'm living a lot more from my gut and my heart as well. And it feels much better. I, natural. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, I try not to have any kind of regrets or look back. I just realized that I had to go on the journey that I went on to learn all of the lessons that I learned. And yep. part of the reason why I do what I do now is because I want to help other people who are on similar journeys get through their journeys more easily than mm -hmm. I did. You know, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I struggled with a lot of things. You know, one of the the things about my background is that um, my parents didn't go to college and I was the first person mm -hmm. in my family to graduate from college. So, um, you know, unlike where I live now, it's like very highly college educated. And, you know, the, the children of families like my family now, like we can advise our children on like, these are the things that you need to do. And this is what you need to think about when you're starting your career or whatever. My oldest son just got into graduate school. And, you know, I, I understand all of this. I went to graduate school, um, but nobody was there to advise me on that. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't have any mentors. My parents were you know, they were flabbergasted about it. They didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I had to figure it out for myself. And I think sometimes when you have to figure out for yourself that, you know, maybe you're a little bit more cautious. Maybe you're going to go by the, you know, the standard playbook more because you're going to be, mm -hmm. you know, like there was no safety net there to catch me um, or point me in the right direction. So, you know, I just did what I thought you were supposed to do. And, and I learned. Uh, and you, you mentioned your children. Um, you have a son? Uh, you have three children? Mm -hmm. I have um, two boys and a girl. Okay. Okay. Let's take, let's take the boy. Uh, let's take the middle boy. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, he's a, he's the most interesting one. <laughs> Cameron. Okay. Cameron. Okay. Imagine Cameron is coming to you. He says, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm not going to college. I want to become a magician. Yeah, okay. You mm -hmm. can also go to un music university. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, or I want to become a carpenter. Or I want mm -hmm. to become, I don't know. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking things really extreme right now. I know uh, it's, uh, well, you, it's, it's. You it's actually don't even need to take them extreme because he is already like that. He's okay. already like that. He he went away to college. He was at one college for his freshman year. He said, I want to transfer to a different college. So mm -hmm. he did. He um, did the fall semester of 2019 at that college. Mm -hmm. And then he just decided without actually even telling me that he was not going to register for the spring semester, which in some ways was good because that's when COVID started. Um, but he wasn't registered at college. And I do think it's important, you know, if, if possible to get a, a college education. Um, mm -hmm. But he's also an artist. He has a band. He's, he's very, very artistic. And I worked with him to figure out a way for him to get a college education mm -hmm. that worked with what he wanted. And actually mm -hmm. what he's doing is he works at Starbucks now no. and Starbucks has a program in the U.S. where um, they will actually pay for their um, employees to go to school online at Arizona State University, and so that's what he's doing. So he's working mm -hmm. at Starbucks and he's going to college online, and he's very happy with that solution. Um, and, is, and is that for you the most important? Weren't you? 
mad or they're mad or disappointed that your son Cameron is not following the path that you had in mind for him? <laughs> you know what? He broke me of that in middle school because he is he's a Taurus and he lives Just up like 100% to being an extremely stubborn person, but he's so creative. He has his own view of the world um, and I figured out a while ago that I needed to just go with the flow with him and to appreciate what was unique and special about him. Um, and I mean, we used to have a lot of headbutting, a lot, a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> in middle school and, and even into high school. And then I just kind of realized that that wasn't really good for either of us, you know? And, and, and did you then realize that? Okay, you're his mother, but the people around you are a reflection of you and are actually teaching you, trying to teach you something because you tried maybe try to project something on him. Yeah. And then you maybe come to an insight like maybe I shouldn't, maybe there's it isn't some, his job. Maybe it's, there's some work I have to do. There's some ego there. And I can tell you like the area where I live that, you know, people are, the parents are like, oh, you know, like my kid got into this college and my kid got mm -hmm. into this college, you know, and it's, there's definitely some ego that's involved there. And, you know, you start to say like, okay, well, how does this reflect on me as much as you don't want to. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I think I, I think that where he is now is also sort of aligned with the journey that I've been on for the past few years and having to mm -hmm. let go of what I thought was my identity of like, I actually used to say, I'm a marketer through and through, I'm a marketer. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that no, I'm actually a creative problem solver no. at my mm -hmm. heart. That's who I am. And I just mm -hmm. chose to go into marketing because that enabled me to use my no. skills. Yep. And yep. it it honestly has taken me a little while to let go of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still do marketing. Obviously, I do a lot of marketing yeah. for my own business, but I'm not as attached to that as an identity yeah. anymore. And I think that as I've accepted myself and said, mm -hmm. you know, you're good enough the way you are. Who cares what anybody else thinks that I'm able to do that? with my kids too you know? and, and, is, and isn't it because I have the same eh? I mean um, I had just finished a, a coaching um, project where the topic was external validation eh? mm. there is no such thing as coincidence eh? and um, and I had to fill out an, a title and um, or a function I was like mm -hmm. hmm. and um, should I fill out sales director I was like no, no 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 and I called it creator because I wanted to play guitar since my mm -hmm. two, since yeah. I was two. So, and I did, but I, did, I wasn't allowed from my parents to, to the, it wasn't a job, right? and then I had to study university and I did, and I'm very mm -hmm. grateful for that. Mm -hmm. But I see also myself as a creator, as a creator of a company, creator of a podcast, creator of music, my own music, mm -hmm. creator of, a, of my own book, and so on, and so on, and so on. And the thing is that um, sales for me is just something which helped me create a business or a company. So instead mm -hmm. of G and the thing is, and that's my question, because it feels v quite liberating, although it's a process, of course, um, it feels like the selling part is going much easier than it used to be because I don't have any expectations anymore about yeah. myself, about that selling thing. And it's, 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 it's people feel your intention is not here yes. to sell, but and then automatically they will buy from you. You, you, mm -hmm. th is that resonating with you? Yes, it's, it's resonating very, very much with me. And I think that you're absolutely right that we were meant to talk today. 
Um, because I would say, like, probably last fall, mm-hmm. I said, I'm just going to let go of expectations around sales conversations. Um, because I was very... Um, in some ways obsessed, <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, I got a good, you know, I have a, a prospect call coming up. Oh yeah, good. Maybe this is going to be, you know, a new client, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm running a business, right? And I, I need to pay the mortgage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but what I also found was that business came to me without me having to do anything, right? You yes. know, somebody would call and say, hey, I sat somebody sat next mm-hmm. to somebody at a lunch today and I told her that you're my coach and she's going to call you. Yep. Um, and that business actually closed a lot easier and quicker than, you know, my prospecting efforts and all of that. So I just actually got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to believe I'm going to I'm going to do activities. I'm going to market. Of course. Um, and I'm going to have sales conversations, but I'm also going to just let go of my expectations around them. And mm. I'm happier. Um, I'm not attached to the outcomes. Um, you know, even when people, uh, you know, I don't, they say, I'll call you back this week and they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. honestly, I forget about it. And then like a month later, they'll, they'll email me and I'll be like, oh yeah, who is this again? <laughs> Um, but then I look and I'm like, oh, it's that person I talked to last month and they're coming back and they're like, okay, I'm ready now. And I'm like, okay, good. And I'm just glad that I didn't waste my energy worrying about like, are they going to do business? Because if they're not ready, I can't force that. And I don't want to. No, no, no. And, and because I mean, the investment that they will make hmm, that they will pay you is going to cost you more because they will not be happy. They're going to, Mm -hmm. you're in marketing. So, you know, when something happens negative, negative about you, they will tell it 30 times to their friends, whatever coworkers, Mm -hmm. because when they're, when they're happy, it's going to only, they're going to only tell uh, nine times or something. And, um, and I have the same with me. So, it's, I see it as planting seeds. So everybody that I meet, my intention is I want to serve. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, you have to make sure that you, you know, you're talking to people in some kind of target group. Eh? Of, eh? So, um, and, but you're planting seeds. And some of these seeds become nothing. Some of them become yeah. a flower. And some of them become a tree right away. And they're ready. And the others... Mm-hmm. Let just do the sun and the rain do its thing, because if you plant seeds in the next day, you're not going to the the grounds and digging up the seed to yeah, see if it exactly. has already grown, because it doesn't work exactly. like that. No, so I've, to- I've I've got a couple of of clients that I'm working with right now that you know one was somebody that I talked to more than a year ago, and she said, "Okay, send me the contract." She never executed it. I didn't hear it from her, and I was like, "Okay, whatever. She's not ready." Mm-hmm. She came back to me a year later and signed mm-hmm. on. And then mm-hmm. I have somebody I'm working with right now who two years ago his wife mm-hmm. reached out to me. Mm-hmm. She was in sort of a bad situation at work. She actually decided to quit her job rather than get a coach to help her deal with what was going on. And she referred her husband to me and I'm working with him right now, two years later. And mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I, in both cases, I didn't have any expectations at all. Um, so, you know, the universe is good. <laughs> Yeah, you know. <laughs> then, but, that, but, that, but that's the thing. The biggest secret in sales and marketing is, and a lot of people will be shocked, 
it's all about the intention. People feel right away what your intention is and you have some kind of receiving unit. It's called intuition and they mm -hmm. will feel immediately if you're full of BS or are you really mm -hmm. genuine and if you really want to help them or you're just it, um, caring about taking money out of their pockets and it works in business business to business and B2C and mm -hmm. because it's H2H human to human and it's such a simple principle but I see so many marketing and especially di digital marketeers doing all this kind of growth hacking techniques mm -hmm. and funnels and I'm like yeah it's going to work sure but is it going to work exponentially for you? And are you attracting the right vibe and the right um, mm -hmm. tribe for you? So, and it's a really pushy method because I prefer the other way. The, the, the method you're referring to is more the pool method that people come to you. Mm -hmm. And 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 yeah, it's it works for me. I didn't invent it. I got it from an, a marketing specialist. What's his name? You know him, Jay Abraham. <laughs> well, okay. You want to hear something very interesting about? Of course. My first job out of business school was working for this. Um, this is like pre-internet. This is the nineties. Um, working for this company called United Communications Group, and we had a newsletter that was uh, Jay Abraham's newsletter, and so you know we would. My, my boss was the publisher and we would talk to him on a weekly basis about what was going to go in his newsletter. And I went out to California and went to one of his conferences. <laughs> so, yes, he's he's been around for a long, long time. He mm -hmm. understands sales and marketing and influence so well. Uh, he's definitely a, a, a guru and is very wise. So. So yeah, it's, it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the it's called the strategy of preeminence, and uh, it's 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 really that simple. And um, and in, in in Europe and Belgium, J. Abraham is not known at all. Is mm -hmm. not known at all. So he's quite unknown. Um, but he's I've been around for some... a very long yeah, time. Yeah, I know, I know, and I believe he has seven kids. Eh? He's like, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't yeah, kept yeah. up with it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. He has seven children. He has seven children, because I think two or three years ago they made some kind of documentary about him, and he also admitted the ego thing and every trap you can have. Sure. He, yeah, and it's always the same. So now um, I see we're already talking for an hour. What would Terry of the late fifties, I would call it fifty plus. Tell the Terry when she was 16 or 18. So you will go to in a DeLorean, eh, Back to the Future, Martin, mm -hmm. Martin McFly. And, um, and you would meet the Terry when she was 16 or 18. Mm -hmm. 18. What would you give her in terms of advice? I know these are all the lessons you've learned sure. and it's a gift. I know, I know. You know but, but theoretically. What I would say is relax and be yourself. You're good enough. Trust yourself. And don't worry. Cool. And uh, what would you tell the Terry within 10 years? Um, what would I, I would say, or you or, mean like, no, what would I tell say, her then? What, or what would she come back and tell me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. How, who is the Terry within 10 years? I'm going to um, ask, rephrase you know, my question. It's, it's uh, somebody who is in the flow, you know, just is um, just trusting herself, mm -hmm. not worrying, knowing that she is okay, no matter what, 
Um, you know, and I, I think I, I really had to go pretty far into the gray area um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I really believed for so long that, you know, quote unquote, success with a capital S came from working at a big company and getting a big paycheck mm-hmm. and bonuses and stock options and traveling mm-hmm. and all of those perks. That's what I thought, you know, success was. And and that, you know, that came with a lot of worry and hypervigilance, like, oh, am I good enough? Am I doing the right things? And, and what, is, what is success right now for you? Success right now for me is is being in the moment, envisioning the things that I want, taking action towards those things and believing that I'm going to be given the opportunities to make these things happen. And I, the more that I... I kind of do a trust fall into that, the more mm-hmm. that I find that it's true. And even, I mean, it, it's pretty uncanny how aligned this conversation is. Like a, so much at the beginning, I thought, gosh, like when you were talking about the energy and all of that, like that's kind of the core of the type of coaching that I do is like reduce the stuff that sucks the energy out of you. So you have it. <laughs> So you can access it to do the things that, you know, where there's connection and there's intuition and there's excitement and, you know, just being connected with the larger universe. Like we're all connected and we're surrounded by opportunity. We are, and we are energy. We are energy. Absolutely. We are surrounded. And, you know, it's just a matter of connecting dots right and we can do that through the molecules that yeah, and are the, and, connecting and the, us yeah and the thing is terry i mean there is no such a thing as coincidence i mean you're now in chicago i'm in belgium um and it's a safe place belgium yeah? but uh, the the thing is that um Although we are like thousands kilometers or miles away from each other mm-hmm. the energy right now which you can feel feel is like the same when we're sitting, for instance, in your living room and, mm-hmm. and drinking something. It's that same energy. It doesn't require any time nor space uh, or travel. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, the, there's, um, I think that the highest level of energy is just like this level where we know things without knowing how we know. And yeah. when, I'm, when I'm talking to my clients about this, um, you know, we all of us can access that, right? Maybe yeah. not all the time, but I I had examples where this would happen, and I started to really trust it. Also, um, when I worked in the corporate world, sometimes a piece of information or something would come, come across my desk, mm-hmm. and there would just be something that would say to me, "This is important. Keep this." Mm-hmm. You know, and literally sometimes within the hour, somebody would call and say, do you know mm-hmm. of somebody that does X yep. or like and like really weird things, right? Not not mm-hmm. common. And I'd be like, OK, but it got to a point where I started to trust that, you know, I trusted yep. that intuition or if you've ever had that um, synchronicities, they call it. Eh? Yeah. Synchronicity. yeah. Einstein called it like that. Eh? Amazing. No, no, yeah. um, one of the other things I think is really cool is. If you've ever, you know, maybe been in contact with someone, you've emailed them and they're like, oh, we're mm-hmm. both going to be at the same conference. You don't even know what they look like. Mm-hmm. You walk in, 
and you look around and something just tells you it's that person and you go up yep. to them and say, Hey, are you Peter? And they say, yes. Are you Terry? <laughs> right. And you just knew there was a, there's a part of you that just knew that that was, and I, I'm amazed at that. I think there is like another level of, of awareness that we, we actually can access Right. I, I think I think it's actually our natural state. I think it's the same state that children uh, up till seven mm-hmm. are living all of the time, mm-hmm. and then it closes. And mm-hmm. um, I, I see it in my son. I mean, he's not aware. Okay, he says I want that, and and so on, and and that ego is starting to manifest, but he's also very playful. I mean, when they're in mm-hmm. an argument with somebody else. Um, they're not going to sit in that argument and be stubborn for like 20 years not talking to each other hmm? yeah. what some adults do eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and whereas children they yeah they argue and then two minutes later they the sun is shining again yeah it's yeah, it's, exactly. uh, it, it's and they they don't uh, are in that reactive state of emotions eh? so mm-hmm. that's and 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 I really believe because you mentioned also two times or three times the word flow and eh, the, the the thing of mm-hmm. uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. and Mihai. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that uh, that p- positive psychologist he he he, inv- he not invented Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Oh no! That's uh, that's a, a positive psychologist in the fifties, and he um, he he uh, researched flow flow the flow state which mm-hmm. is the space between doing you have the comfort zone which is not flow mm-hmm. and then you have have the stretch zone which is going to stretch mm-hmm. you so much that it's not fun anymore and in between you have that like flow state where yeah. the dancer becomes the dance and yeah. it's of, of course it's or the musician becomes the music and uh, you see it also in sports. We can also do it in marketing and, and with the coaches. And it's that state where there is no time. There is no. Yeah, there's possibility. Uh, yeah. 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 I've, I've seen it. And it's, um, you know, I think that in any performance situation, where, like you said, whether it's um, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, presenting. um Sorry, somebody's trying to call me. Um, you know, that if we can kind of stay in that that flow mm-hmm. state, that what we need comes to us. We have yeah. access. And sometimes we have access to stuff that we don't even know how we have access yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like to watch, I don't know if you guys have Jeopardy um, in Europe, but it's a, it's a quiz show that's really yeah. popular. It's been here, you know, on the mm-hmm. TV for decades. And mm-hmm. I love watching it. I'm kind of a trivia but sometimes I'm watching and I'm like, how did I even know that? I have no idea how I knew that answer. I surprise myself <laughs> quite often. And I just think, oh, it's just like coming, you know, it's being attracted to my yeah. brain from the universe. Then, then, you, then you have to look, uh, it's a, there's a movie called uh, The Power of the Heart. And they discovered that the, that the processing power of the, the brain. You still there, Terry? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, okay. So they have discovered that the processing power of the brain, uh, so the conscious mind compared to the the processing power of the unconscious um, brain, mind, whatever you Mm want to call it, is like the unconscious part is like a supercomputer, whereas the 
yeah um <laughs> the, the, the brain itself the conscious part is like just repeating the same old patterns for like 40 50 yes. years so yeah. and it's like a post-it compared to that and if you can tap into that layer under that then yes. you will then your body knows things up front because mm-hmm. yeah it 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 filters a lot of the things that you don't need at this at, at right now to make decisions yes. but it picks all the information up yeah yeah i i um I believe that very strongly. And also, I think that, you know, our brain or our mind is only one type of intelligence. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially for, you know, people that become very educated, sometimes we we start to rely just solely on our brain. Yep. You know, okay, I'm going to think my way out of this yep. issue. And we ignore intuition. We ignore our body. You know, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of wisdom in our body. Yep. Like if we have yep. a feeling, if yep. we've you know, if our palms get sweaty, if our gut gets, you know, tight, if we mm-hmm. get indigestion, if we have a headache, mm-hmm. if you know, what, there's lots of things that we ignore regularly, mm-hmm. which are actually signals that we should pay attention to. And I, yep. I've actually um, read something that that your gut will respond to stimuli quicker than your brain does, you know, so yeah. your body is, is smart, you know, but we ignore it, you know, yeah. and we, we just kind of relegate it to, you know, the background and, and we just rely on our brain so much when in fact, there's a lot that we could, if we were able to integrate, you know, spirit, intuition, emotions, yeah. you know, Creativity. thinking, um, that we'd be a lot wiser and probably happier yeah. too. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. Now, Terry, I want to finish because I feel that we could uh, <laughs> could talk. What were your expectations of the call? Because you don't know me at all. I am pretty free and easy. I love talking with people and I always feel like whatever, whatever the person wants to talk about, I'm ready. <laughs> I actually, um, this was a lot more... Uh, freewheeling and also like deeper than what I thought it was going to be because typically it's a little bit more tactical about how to you know how do you how do you become more successful and happier at work and that kind of stuff and and everything that we talked about here is like you know it's like a little more philosophical and um, metaphysical and I love it because there is there's so much more going on around us than um, we are consciously aware of and it's yep. a beautiful place to be actually you know like we're all we're all here for a reason we all have unique gifts the more we can step into that the better it makes this world yeah that's beautiful thank you but it's also also my intention uh i wouldn't call it freewheeling but i know what you mean is the it started as really as a selling thing it's about selling and marketing and entrepreneurship but mm-hmm. you cannot hide who you really are and this is also about um, making consciousness or awareness. I wouldn't call it mainstream, but also showing it. It's that a lot of people have multiple layers. You can and be a marketeer or in mm-hmm. sales and have a business and things like that and, and coach. And at the same time, going deeper and uh, mm-hmm. talk about energy. And it's all there, there's no fluffiness because uh, uh, behind it. And if if I can inspire people to also look or at least tiptoe um, in the water a little bit, 
and they, I wouldn't say experiment, but they're opening their minds a little bit more, especially mm -hmm. when they uh, are going through a rough time or a, a burnout mm -hmm. or don't have the answers anymore and reach out to a coach, for instance. And they don't see it as a, as a, as a thing where, yeah, coach is like a, a strange thing or is it uh, yeah. so, so, when you're feeling ill, then you need a coach, but not when you're feeling good. Yeah. And um then I'm happy to be honest. So, so it's it's merged over time, and this is also because it's a reflection of of who I am, of course, because I combine all these things, and I thought I would never combine them, but you cannot hide from who you are. It, <laughs> it, it slips in. It slips in there. Right, right. So I want to thank you, Terry, and. Um, yeah this uh yeah i want to thank you for the for the for the great conversation and i wish you all all the best thank you peter i really enjoyed talking with you hey it's peter here thanks a lot for listening to what's on your mind looking forward to your opinions and comments and don't forget to subscribe on psgrow.com and leave your email address to stay tuned for future episodes bye